Welcome to another episode of Southern Arizona's Nonprofits, the Superheroes Impacting Our Community, brought to you by SCIP, SSCIP, the Social Service Contractor Indemnity Pool, insuring nonprofits like ours for more than three decades. This is Barbara McClure. I'm the host of this show and also the Executive Director of Impact of Southern Arizona. And today I have with me two local leaders promoting and supporting adaptive athletics in our Tucson region. So please join me in welcoming Mia Harmon, Executive Director of Southern Arizona Adaptive Sports. Thank you. And you almost got Mia Hansen, but I probably re- un- rewrote it for you. Oh. <laughs> Mia Hansen. Did I say yeah. Mia Harmon? Yeah. Oh, isn't that so Some funny? people say Mia Ham for the famous uh, soccer player. Oh, that which, might be why. That, you know, can confuse I had a son who played soccer, so that would be a likely happy, step. Happy to be here. Mia Hansen, <laughs> yes. Thank you. And then also with us is Peter Hughes. He's the athletic director at the University of Arizona Adaptive Athletics. And these two organizations work together to provide athletic opportunities for people with disabilities. They encourage people to be active at many different levels, from general movement and exercise for health and wellness to competition in leagues, professional sporting teams, and events. So today we're going to talk about what their organizations do and all the incredible things you're going to be surprised by. So Mia, I thought I'd start with you and have you explain to us exactly what adaptive sports is and how it's different than general sports. Indeed. Well, you know, I started adapting my sports when I realized I couldn't run and jump like I used to back in my youth. Uh, I've been a dancer and an athlete all my life. And a certain point as we age a little bit and I started getting arthritis and then eventually end stage osteoarthritis in both hips, I realized, wow, I'm really not able to do everything I, I love doing. How can I keep doing it without um, a lot of ibuprofen, right? right. And uh, so I, I discovered adaptive sports myself. Um, it actually started long ago when I was 17 and my brother Mark was 21. And he had a life-changing uh, incident where he dove into a river and broke his neck at the C6 and 7 level and instantly became paralyzed from the chest down. Uh, our family had always been very active, playing everything, tennis, running track, you know, playing soccer, doing it all. And, you know, the shock, the initial shock, uh, getting through an incident like that for my brother was tough. But once he started recovering and recuperating, the first thing we got into was adaptive sports or playing sports in a little different way, basically just using different equipment, sometimes changing the rules a little bit. Um, and we found out that, uh, it, you know, it makes no difference if you're playing tennis in a wheelchair or you're standing on your feet. It's still tennis. It's still fun. It's recreational. You're getting out. You're moving. So for our family and for me personally, I've also played wheelchair tennis, wheelchair basketball. I'm still able to stand on my feet, but it, it does still hurt a little bit. So it's been a lot of fun for me personally to, to expand my uh, horizons as I age a bit and to support my brother, Mark, through his 42 years of playing all sorts of adaptive sports. I, I guess the word adaptive, right, we adapt it in some ways. So whether that's using a, a wheelchair instead of your feet or whether that's using a special hand grip to, to hold a tennis racket. For example, my brother tapes his tennis racket onto his hand because he doesn't have complete grip. So he's adapting his grip of the tennis racket. Or using, uh, for example, there's a great game called goal ball, which is played for the blind and visually impaired, where you have a, a ball that has little bells and, and whistles in it, basically, to so people can hear where the ball is. So in my mind, adapting and adaptive sports are just changing things a bit to make sure that you can still play and have fun and recreate 
as you would always want to do with whatever you got. And I think we can all do that. Excuse me, it is allergy season in Tucson. The um, I like the definition, though, because it's, like you say, everybody adapts how they play sports as we age. So that's a, a very good description. And I know Tucson has a huge adaptive sports presence, thanks to your two programs. So I was interested in hearing you describe the types of sporting programs that you offer. And so, Pete, I know you're with the University of Arizona, and honestly, I didn't even know that you had an adaptive sports program or an entire I was surprised to find out how much goes on at the U of A that way yeah we're the largest program in the nation for a university-based adaptive sports program it's pretty exciting to be part of um, and we offer eight right now we have eight um, fully sponsored teams uh, including men's and women's wheelchair basketball wheelchair tennis wheelchair rugby um, hand cycling adaptive golf adaptive swimming and um, I know I'm forgetting something. Track and field. Yeah, yeah, wheelchair track and road racing. Mm-hmm. So, and our athletes, uh, a majority of them are all full-time students at the University of Arizona. And uh, they travel all around the United States and sometimes even internationally competing um, around the United States and around the world, really. And fortunately, um, originally, the University of Arizona was in charge of, of running everything with adaptive athletics. Um, and that wasn't sustainable. So Southern Arizona Adaptive Sports came in with Mia Hansen here, and that's where our partnership really has bloomed. Like, So I have student athletes that might come here that uh, are not quite ready for the University of Arizona. They could go to Pima and work through Mia's program, still, still staying fit. And then when my athletes graduate and they want to stay and live in Tucson because it's a beautiful place and a supportive community, they can go back to uh, Mia's group and, and, and play for, for Mia. Again, so it's it's a perfect world that we're creating here in Tucson, Arizona. It's a mecca. We, we yeah, I, I got to say, Pete and I uh, have known each other for about seven or eight years now. I first got to know Pete um, while I was getting back into sports. A uh, little backup, my career has been in dance all my life. I uh, studied at the University of Oregon. Go Ducks. Sorry, <laughs> I have to say that for the Wildcats. Whenever the Wildcats and the Ducks play each other, I'm a duck. Sure, that's fair. Yes. But um, I went into dance and uh, had a wonderful career being a choreographer, stage manager, producer, director. Uh, That's what caused my hip injuries, obviously. Sure. But um, I came back to recreation and sports uh, later in life because it's really my first love, you know, just being active and moving as part of a healthy lifestyle. And when I met Pete about seven years ago, I was volunteering at the time, uh, working with some of our cultural festivals here in town, uh, I used to run a little festival called Tucson Meet Yourself, <laughs> also known as Tucson Eat Yourself, and uh, worked with Big Jim Griffith for many years doing cultural uh, festivals, folk life festivals, and that's really been you know, a part of my dance passion is folk dances of the world. So um, I was working with refugees who were resettling in our community at the time, and I was starting to volunteer to help refugees adapt and transition to becoming Americans, right? And I said, hey, I kind of know something about wheelchairs. My brother knew something about it. Give me all of the refugees with disabilities and we'll help them adapt because that's a challenge if you're coming to this country brand new. You'd think it might be easy, but it's actually sometimes more difficult for refugees coming from Somalia, uh, Uganda, Iraq, Iran, uh, Afghanistan, the Congo. In their countries, as a person with a disability, often they are treated as inhuman, not even given names. But the the girl who's 
can't see or the guy who's got crutches. And uh, I found that <laughs> refugees coming here with disabilities were struggling because suddenly they're thrust into America where, hey, we've got ADA rules and everybody's the same. And they thought, no, we're not. How do I adapt? So I, I was looking for a way to break the ice. And I said, ah, adaptive sports. Found Pete and his program. At the time, Pete was the head coach of the championship women's wheelchair basketball team at the U of A. I think five-time champs, ten-time, a lot of championships with that team. And I had a young woman from Somalia who I was mentoring, a young gal, 19 years old, just arrived, had no family. They were all, you know, killed in violence. And uh, she didn't speak English. I didn't speak Somali. I said, what am I going to do to get this girl moving. And first couple of days I was with her, I'm trying to Google Somali English, which doesn't work very well. And I said, you know, what, what do you like? And what do you like to do? She said, NBA, LeBron James. Oh. I said, what? You know about NBA? Yeah, yeah, LeBron James, the best. I thought, okay, she's into basketball. Somehow this young lady had a passion for basketball. So I found Pete. And I said, Pete, I got this young gal and took her out to a, a party at the park one day. And I think you had some hand cycles out there. And uh, she jumped on a hand cycle, which is a, a regular tricycle with hand pedals. You power it with your arms. She'd never been in a wheelchair before she got to America. And she took off in that hand cycle so fast. She was headed for the street and I'm running after her. And Pete said, who is that gal? I want her on my <laughs> basketball team. Right. Always the recruiter, Pete. That's, oh, there you so go. From that point on, we, we started becoming good friends and partners and and then I realized a few years into the relationship that um, that we needed a community adaptive sports program to support what the U of A has been doing for so many years and letting people of all ages have that opportunity. So uh, Rihanna is still with us. She's a Somali athlete, but now she's an American. Seven years later, she's become a citizen. She's playing wheelchair basketball with our community team now That's so after cool. having been on the U of A team for a few years. And uh, yeah, so on it goes. Well, that's interesting, too, when you say they've the university's been doing it for a long time. So how long has that program been uh, in place? The, the program's been around since like 1975. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. It started with uh, oh. wheelchair basketball originally, and then wheelchair um, rugby came along, um, and wheelchair tennis. And and for a long time, it was those three sports. And that's where most of uh, and Then when Coach Brown moved here in, I think, 1999, 98, he brought wheelchair track and road racing with him. Um, and then when I took over three years ago, we've just decided that um, it doesn't matter what your disability is or what your sport is, we're going to, if we can do it in Tucson, we're going to support it. So, you know, that means, you know, some form of scholarship assistance for athletes with disabilities. And it also means whatever sport. So that's why we started Adaptive Swimming, Adaptive Golf, which is our, our new like showcase. In fact, our athletes are up in Mesa right now at the Disability Golf Championships in Mesa. And they're playing. They're having a great time. But that allows me to not only just uh, help wheelchair sports users, like wheelchair users like myself, but also individuals that might have an arm amputation or visually impaired. There's visually impaired blind, um, blind golfers. And I had no idea about this three, four years ago. And then the blind golfing championship was down in Green Valley. I said, I got to go down and look at that. And <laughs> sure. I was like, oh, these guys are amazing. Mm-hmm. And these gals, they're hitting the golf ball better than I, and they don't even see it. And that's, you know, in some ways really discouraging. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, was, but, I, was, I tried golf for a while, so yeah. I, can, I can appreciate that. But I also mm-hmm. thought, hey, man, if I could get one of these guys to hit a hole in one on ESPN, then I won't have to fundraise anymore. <laughs> Gosh, know? that's so, so true. Yeah, so we're, we're excited about that. But, again, it came back to, well, how do I 
how do I tell community members that they can no longer, University of Arizona, like I said, absorbed everything, community and non-community. I said, how can we do that? And we had a local wheelchair basketball team that I was part of, the Tucson Lobos, and they almost folded. And Mia came and saved them and then created this amazing program that has, you know, they have wheelchair tennis, community wheelchair tennis, and, you know, community golf and community. So now, now it doesn't matter what your disability or whether you're a student or not, there's somebody that's going to help support you here in the community. So it's, it's but, great. But I want to just chime in. Think about this, that students with a disability can get scholarships. Yeah. And yeah. that you have produced so many scholarship athletes um, who are moving on to get careers, which is an interesting fact. You have some facts about the combination of sports and education with disability and getting employment, right? Yeah, it's crazy. That, there's a small study that was done by a, um, a colleague of ours, Dr. Uh, Mike Cottingham, who, you, who went to U of A, got his degree at U of A, was our wheelchair tennis coach here, and now he's at the University of Houston. But his study on employment and wheelchair users, so specifically wheelchair users, so spinal cord injury, polio, what, whatever it would be, spina bifida, their employment rate was 18%, which is pathetically low in our opinion, right? And you know the ADA gets you into the building, but the ADA is also supposed to help with employment, so it hasn't quite gotten there yet. So we did some more studies on that. That was their employment rate, 18%. You add education, and it goes up to 23%. You know, nice. which is a little a little jump, but if you add education and sport, it goes up to fifty two percent, fifty three percent. Wow, isn't that something? It, yeah, it's a giant jump. So the state of Arizona, which is one of the only states in the nation that actually supports adaptive athletics at the university, so when they asked me to go up and be you know in front of their finance board and be an expert witness, they said, well, why why would why would the state of Arizona support adaptive athletics? And we would say, well, this is why because we're employing people and and we got to do more studies on it. We ha- we have to sanction some more studies on it. But the fact of the matter is that nearly everybody that I graduated, I came to U of A in two thousand and four. I was I already had my degrees, but I wanted to play wheelchair basketball. So mm-hmm. almost everybody that has gone through our program that has graduated has a job. And for a person with a disability, that's an powerful thing mm-hmm. and we have a great partnership with SAS and our accessible um you want to talk about that a little bit well, you know yeah. i was going to ask you a quick question though yeah, too, sure. because for somebody who doesn't really have a severe disability well as you say mia we all have those little disabilities as we age right. i actually decided to do recreational soccer when i was in my 30s i just thought it would be fun low-key but it turned out not to be that at all it was <laughs> those women were murderous you know slide tackling and i ended up um, severing an achilles tendon Ooh. which cut my golf because i couldn't walk on the uneven ground for right. many years and then i just never got back into it at all but i think that when you know it's interesting because you're naming so many sports so we're, i would say generally people are so familiar with wheelchair basketball because it's been around it's been very visual and we've seen it but the idea your idea of golf or your conversation about golf the idea of trying to hit that golf ball without being able to see it or just even what tennis would look like tennis is such a quick game Mm -hmm. back and forth on one side of the court with no teammates on your side maybe and so it's interesting I think for our audience to kind of just stop and for a minute try to visualize what those sports look like Mm -hmm. for people who are adapting it in a new way. 
Well, the major difference between basketball for wheelchair basketball and for um, able-bodied basketball is that as of this moment, right now, as we're sitting here, I have never seen a wheelchair basketball dunk a basketball yet. <laughs> and if we can find that person that can do that, there you I want to know. Yeah. So a share with springs <laughs> or something, you know. Right. Because we'll make some money on that one. But um, the other, you know, so there's a little bit of difference with the traveling rule, but we play, you know, on a regulation basketball court with regulation three point lines and all that. Everybody goes, oh, you know, do you bring in the three-point line? No, we don't bring the three-point line in. <laughs> no. So um, all that's the same. And then with tennis, it's two bounces versus one. And I got to give a shout-out to the USTA because mm-hmm. what's unique about tennis is the USTA, which is the governing body of tennis in the United States, um, they'll allow – so if there's a – let's say at Reed Park, they're hosting an, a tennis tournament. They'll allow a guy in a wheelchair, and it – just you get two bounces so i could play against you with two bounces so that that's a a strong promotion now we typically try to go wheelchair versus wheelchair but Mm -hmm. you know it's just a a strong way of saying hey look we we see you we adapt for you Mm -hmm. and and we're inclusive in our sport you know because everybody should have the opportunity to be healthy Mm -hmm. and compete and you know it's one of those things absolutely it's sort of it's it's radical access for everyone. I mean, the idea that you should be able to do whatever you want, wherever and however you want. Again, back to equipment, um, The if you haven't seen or you haven't tried it, one of the things that we really promote is anybody can play. We, we don't exclude able-bodied people from our sports, which is interesting when sure. you think about inclusion. Uh, if, if we were exclusive, then we wouldn't be walking the walk or talking right. the right? So we we absolutely invite, especially family and friends and siblings. We, we, we host the Juniors Active in Wheelchair Sports Program, also known as JAWS. And uh, Pete started that here, and then we took that on. And uh, at JAWS practices, everybody plays, mom, dad, kids, siblings. Um, and oftentimes that's just so rewarding. You Say you have a child with a disability who's been using a wheelchair all their young life. Um, they're left on the sidelines often if you want to go hiking. Okay, we can't really hike you know, on the path because Susie here can't get on it. Or if, if, you're, if your able-bodied siblings are out playing all of their sports and you can't play with them, um, you know, that's really challenging. And it's, and we find that when everyone's included, it just, it's wild. It's great. It breaks down the barriers. Everybody has a good time. It's just another piece of equipment, right? So everybody learns how to, to push the chair. And uh, so if anybody out there's listening and wants to come try it, we are totally open to that. We also have really built our program, uh, Southern Arizona Adaptive Sports. Pete said SAS. We're sassy, right? Sure. <laughs> One of the big things we've built is a, a loaner equipment program. So I found that the, one of the biggest barriers to participation is not having a sports chair. Back 70 years ago when wheelchair basketball was first, you know, quote, invented, everyone was playing in those hospital folding Everest and Jenning chrome sure. chairs, right? <laughs> oh, it was heavy and people were smashing their legs to each other after World War II, basically. Nowadays, sports chairs are like the highest-end Nike shoe you can buy. They are lightweight, made of aluminum or titanium. They There's no brakes. You don't need any brakes. There's there's nothing extra. It's pared down to just what you need. The frames are, are strong, durable. I think a lot of them are made out of aircraft aluminum. Yeah. And the wheels... The difference is that the wheels are angled outward at the bottom. It's called camber, so that you you have a better turning radius. You can turn quicker just by touching your wheel. You can you can pivot. So back to your tennis idea, 
tennis wheels are really angled way out at the bottom, almost an 18-degree camber. Wow. So you can really turn quickly, and you are strapped into this chair with straps and things, so you don't almost have to touch the wheels. You can just move your hips and turn. Right. Fantastic. The the chair needs to fit you like a glove, you Mm -hmm. know, and so that when you move. So it's, it's, I don't have a sports chair with me right now, but, um, you know, if I had a basketball and a sports chair, I could, I could take two pushes and then dribble up and down the court by just moving my hips and, and keeping the chair moving without without touching the wheels. That is and cool. It, yeah, it is. It, it's so fun. Kids who jump into a wheelchair for the first time love it. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love rolling fast and crashing into someone, right? If you really want to have fun, go play wheelchair rugby because there you do tackle each other. That's the one. That's the one sport. <laughs> when you said wheelchair rugby, I was trying to envision how that would look. You know. Yeah, wheelchair rugby. We're the two-time national champions, and uh, oh my gosh. The, all, oh, well, we have, yeah, the three, three, three of our athletes are going to the Paralympics here in ninety-eight days. I think ninety-eight days. It's coming up yeah. soon. The, Paralympics. the, the 2020 Paralympics held in twenty twenty-one. <laughs> you know, so that's great. But uh, so they're actually right now in um, at a training camp right now for uh, the Paralympics, uh, the rugby team. And rugby, if you want to know more about wheelchair rugby, there's a famous old documentary called Murder Ball. Its original name was Murder Ball. And uh, you can still stream that. And it's uh, it's very well done. It was nominated for Best Documentary. Lost to Morgan Freeman and March of Penguins. That's why we don't like oh, penguins <laughs> in the disability <laughs> community. Emperor penguins. Yeah, those, those cute, that was a fun documentary, cute, I have to yeah. say. But the other sounds very interesting. <laughs> Rugby is, Total played, different is played on a court, a basketball yeah. court, mm-hmm. four people on a team. And it is specifically for people who are affected in all four limbs. So it's also called quad rugby, quadriplegia. So it it is one of the few made-up sports that was actually invented for people with quadriplegia with disabilities. So it's not like any other sport. It's not quite like rugby. It's not quite like hockey. It's a combination of of tackling, meaning running into each other with the, the chairs are very different. They're built with strong kind of cow catcher, you know, armor on them. You can tackle, you can, uh, you can fall, you can, you know, grab Tip in. Over. Yeah. And you try to get the ball, which is a volleyball, basically across the end zone. So there's two cones down under the key of the basketball. Great sport. A lot of fun. My brother played rugby for many years and and uh, I played too you know, to have some. You really want to have some fun again, so that's that's another one of those. You know, you ask what the difference is. That sport wasn't adapted. Adapted. Yeah, it, was it was really created. And I think we might have a. Do we have any other created, made-up sports for? Uh, for wheelchair sports specifically, I'm not positive about that. You know, because yeah. I mean, you could say a wheelchair uh, racing. <clears throat> wheelchair yeah, racing is I mean, a different type, type of, of chair. racing, yeah. yeah. But so, wheelchair softball, that's another yeah. sport that we play. Played just like uh, regular softball, 16-inch softball, except you, instead of grass, we play it on an asphalt parking lot. So, I was thinking right. four-wheel drive. You're right. Know, <laughs> like road, yeah. road tires. And instead like of a little tiny base, the base is, is a circle that's about six feet wide, so you don't you know run into each other, right? So you have a, a sure. place you have to cross. But other than that, the game is basically yeah. the same. I know they play wheelchair cricket. I've... Uh, I've seen that in uh, Australia, and uh, also um, the NFL just announced the first formation of a of a NFL sponsored wheelchair football program. So there's four teams: LA, Chicago, Atlanta, and Phoenix. That's exciting. And I had won the last couple titles, so I was really excited when we we used to play in Las Vegas for there was a prize and all that so <laughs> anyhow uh, very excited that that's happening well i'd uh, love to see that the nfl is getting into it 
Yeah, no, you know, I'm super excited about that. But right now it's only in NFL affiliated schools, uh, uh, cities. So it was kind of funny because I was like, oh, I know I could put together a championship team in football, no problem. Oh, but we don't have an, <laughs> but we don't have an affiliated team. So Well, as you Aren't can hear. are we close enough yeah. to Phoenix? Don't we call ourselves, know. you know, the other. Oh, well, we are <laughs> the stepchild of Phoenix or the... I guess as you can hear, pretty much all the sports you can think of have some variation for people who need have a mobility challenge. But I, we also don't want to scare people off. We're not just about football yeah. <laughs> and sure. tackling each other. We, we also do recreational pursuits. And with our organization, Southern Arizona Adaptive Sports, we've also tried to, to reach out to the community um, to engage people who are aging, perhaps, who don't have that kind of energy or aren't really enthusiastic about playing basketball, you know, with the boys. Um, we've been doing birding, bird watching. Now, you'd think birding's for everybody, right? What, what do we need to adapt that for? But, you know, a lot of birds live out there in the woods where they don't have uh, paved pathways. And so we've encouraged the Tucson Audubon Society to think about birding field trips which have accessible pathways where everybody with any kind of mobility challenge could could participate or to have a guide for someone is visually impaired uh, to have a guide along who can uh, help identify bird calls and dis- and describe what the bird is that we're seeing so you know it's it's back to um, putting yourself I guess in the position of, of someone who may have a disability if you don't it, it like when you had your Achilles tendon problem I'm assuming you might have been on crutches for a while maybe a wheelchair and oftentimes that's the first experience a lot of people get and they go oh my gosh I didn't realize how hard it was and we say see we told you so and you know come on and join us so sure we, we don't want to discourage um, uh, or become exclusionary we want to just be inclusive at all levels and that's really what what it's about Sure. We've done a great job of that here in Tucson. Yeah, it sounds like it. And it's interesting. I've only lived in Tucson. This is my 12th year, but I haven't even been aware of that these things are going on, which is the point of the show, to introduce these nonprofits and these organizations that are so amazing to the community. Most of the community knows us primarily from the old lame for a game days. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had 25 years of that at the University of Arizona where we were the played with the able-bodied guys. Now we're the pregame show for the red blue and this year obviously it was canceled and then of course in october we have a big uh, foot race which is a giant fundraiser for the gym click run and roll on october 4th this year so come on down jog or you can do it virtually Mm -hmm. if you want to it it could be that things are just happening normally amongst us which is the whole point Exactly. Um, I I just want to toss in one more point here that oftentimes people will say, oh, the Special Olympics. Yeah, we've really helped you guys out a lot. And we say, well, no, we're not the Special Olympics, which is a wonderful organization that has built up an incredible support system around uh, working with people with developmental and cognitive disabilities, specifically. Um, Our two organizations primarily are working and offering sports for people with physical disabilities. Now, if someone also has a cognitive disability and can act, you know, op- operate independently, basically, we will certainly include them. But, um, you know, Special Olympics also is fabulous, and they're here, and they're very strong in Tucson. And that's another reason why Tucson has become such a great place to get out and move and operate if you have any sort of challenge like that, because we have everything. We got it all. Well, and it's such a beautiful place to be outdoors. So it's, that's a very cool thing. Well, I'd like to take just a break for just a minute to hear some information from our sponsor, Skip. Today's program is brought to you by Skip, the social service contractor's indemnity pool. 
Skip is a member-owned, member-directed insurance provider with more than three decades of insuring Arizona social service organizations for their property, general and professional liability, and auto claim exposures. With an Arizona-based staff of claim underwriting and risk management professionals, Skip specializes in providing personalized service, affordable premiums, and coverage which meets and often exceeds the state of Arizona's contract requirements for social service providers. For more information, visit our website at www.sscip.org or ask your insurance agent about protecting your organization with insurance coverage through SKIP. Pete, I was going to ask you, welcome back, everyone. I was going to ask Pete a question about all the teams. You were talking about the different teams, and sp- and I think you used the word sponsor. My head was saying, do your teams have sponsors? Oh. Like, do you get a lot of support from the local businesses or... We have some great supporters here in Tucson, and I, I apologize. What I meant was the University of Arizona, um, they pay for our salaries, uh, my, my coaching staff and my salary. Um, and then independently, we have to raise all of the money for our operating bu- budgets. Okay. Um, so we do have some great sponsors. I'm Jim Click is, is, is the, the number one guy, and uh, the Loopke family. Um, Who's involved with Pima Medical Institute? They've been very success, uh, very, very, very great, grateful for them. Shankin, Alan Shankin, and uh, many others. So um, you know, we we do do our fundraisers. Both our organizations do our fundraisers. We're now supported by the state um, of Arizona. If we raise one hundred and sixty thousand dollars, they'll match that, and those are restricted funds for scholarships, equipment, um, uh, transportation. And uniforms. A problem we have logistically is that the University of Arizona is the farthest college program on the West Coast. Sure. So we have to fly everywhere, whereas the other schools and organizations, they'll jump in a giant bus and charter everywhere. Sometimes it's better for recruiting say, hey, we're going to fly there. <laughs> but, <laughs> Not a yeah, bad perk. Yeah. yeah. And, and so now, and, and the university is really supportive. And, and I did want to bring up the, the fact that we're the only university, as far as I know, that has three accessible concession stands and um, I was offered to run that with our athletes and I knew we couldn't do it and so they called me I said Mia you gotta you gotta run this for us you gotta run it for us and it's been really uh, quite you know until until COVID of course it was very successful right it was and Pete's talking of course about the University of Arizona uh, which is it's fantastic what they have built and um, some of the sponsors, like Mr. Jim Click, is a fabulous uh, person who has been so generous with so many nonprofits in our community. Um, our organization is a 501c3 not-for-profit, and so I don't get state of Arizona funding. Right. I don't get <laughs> salaries paid for by anybody. So I we're on a whole different ball ball field, <laughs> but we're still competing. I love it. Pete and I are we both have competitive spirits. We the town is big enough for the two of our organizations, which is the handshake that Pete and I have made over these past years. Because we have to have community um, opportunities, right? Yes. Not everybody's a university student, and so. Our fundraising model is based on what all good nonprofits should be, a, a mixture of grant writing, which I do all of that, so I write for grants uh, all the time. And I've been successful uh, with some, and of course you have to write for everyone, you get a lot of no thank yous. Uh, some uh, private donations, we don't have a, a huge amount of private donations, probably because we've done a not so good job of getting the word out. You said you haven't heard about us. I got to get better at that. So thanks for having us on the radio show You're here, so Radio X. 
Um, so private donations, we're trying to build that. And by the way we do that is by telling people of our story. And I've been doing a lot of, of publicity, just getting the word out about other aspects of our program that that tend to draw people in even more so. Um, one of them is a new thing we've started doing called Project Renew, where we are now accepting donations of used everyday wheelchairs, uh, both the folding basic collapsible type that you you probably used when you sprained or you know touch your Achilles tendon, to the much higher level rigid frame lightweight everyday chair that an active wheelchair user might use. We'll take any kind of donation of wheelchairs and we refurbish them with our community athletes. And we, we definitely dove into this during COVID because we had to stop everything. For a year, sure. and, year and months, we haven't played any sports, indoor sports at least. We played outdoor sports. I guess that's why golfing has gotten so big. Yeah. But um, And hand cycling has been huge for us. But we had to find other ways to keep our community members active and engaged. and not socially isolated like so many of us were. It's, it can even, it, that can be expounded upon when you're a person living with a disability who um, may ha you know, have a lot more immune compromisation in your immune system, you can't fight off the bug. So we started this project anew to, to get people thinking of, hey, let's, let's get wheelchairs, let's donate them, let's fix them up and get them back to people in need. It's been a huge success, so huge that now I'm getting 50 wheelchairs a month from Goodwill Industries. Sure. And love Goodwill. They've done a great thing by giving us all of their donated wheelchairs. They, they can't really sell them for very much anyway, so if anybody wants one, we'll give you one for free. And it's incredible. We've had so many people follow us now. We've had a few you know publicity coverages from local uh, media outlets, and I'm just, um, I'm just really grateful because that has allowed me to open up and start to speak more about the benefits of adaptive sports and recreation and activity, just being socially engaged. You know, you don't have to come and play the sport. You can also just come and watch and be around other people who might have be dealing with a similar issue that you're dealing with. Um, we started a, a couple of peer mentor support groups this year during COVID. We had the Amputee Tucson, it's called Amp Power Tucson. We started doing Zoom meetings with them and really brought a lot of people together who wanted to talk about limb loss and, um, and you know, how it was making them feel. And now we're having an adaptive golf day with Pete's uh, U of A golfers this coming Sunday out at Rolling Hills Golf Course with our community members. And a lot of them are amputees. Uh, coming to us through Hanger Clinic, one of oh, our sponsors. Sure. Yay. I'm familiar so, with Hanger. Yeah. <laughs> so we go out and also get sponsors. The third part, besides grants and, and, and individual donations, is sponsorship. And, um, you know, we're always grateful. We, we also got a new sponsor recently, Ascension Wheelchair Lifts. Wonderful company right here in Tucson making incredible wheelchair lifts, elevators. And they found out about us and said, hey, we want to help. And I said, well, we'd love you to help. And they're going to sponsor our El Tour de Tucson hand cycling team, community members Very to cool. hand cycle. Um, but what Pete was alluding to, the, the other phase is that we, we expect our athletes and participants to, to participate, to be active, to volunteer. So we took over this concessions stand that Pete introduced us to, and the U of A had remodeled a football stadium. And when they remodeled, of course, when you do any remodeling, you must provide for accessibility, ADA requirements. So they built one end of the concession stand to be more accessible, so wheelchair users could get to the popcorn machine and make nachos, you know? Sure. Who doesn't want to make nachos, right? Everybody mm -hmm. wants to. So we have been staffing that with 15 volunteers every home football game 
making nachos and selling popcorn and sodas. And, of course, the, ca- the cashier booths are slightly lower, and there's room to push your wheelchair up underneath it, right? Um, you know, we, we can have interpreters, sign language interpreters, if someone needs that. But, you know, give me a hot dog. That's not too tough to figure out, right? We, so we have had so much fun with that. We All of our, our participants get to volunteer, and then the U of A concessions gives us a contribution back for the man hours. Sure. So it helps everybody. We also do that. It's a at great the, win-win, really. Oh, it is. We also do it at the 4th Avenue Street Fair, which unfortunately has been canceled for a couple times. But we provide the perimeter security to make sure people don't leave the outskirts with their alcohol. Right. right? And for that, we've also got. I can't the wait till one of your guys has to tackle somebody to try to smuggle a beer off. Of I know. Street. We think great. That's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, that's be wonderful. You know? They'll take them by surprise, yeah. I'm sure. But what's most important, in my humble opinion, about the concessions, I mean, I, I know the contributions to the um, the organization are much needed and, and, and uh, very successful. It. Yeah. But really, it's the social perspective that you're now at a football game in front of 50,000 people and oh these guys are working and they're working in wheelchairs you know and and so that changes like Mm -hmm. there's still people out there that think oh a wheelchair person can't do that or a wheelchair person can't do that and so you know that's that's the the fun thing so Mia and I last what was September two years ago Mm -hmm. I guess September two years ago with another organization that I run um, we went to Indonesia together and we donated 11 sports chairs and put on coaching clinics and that and we do that to different countries because they their social perception of people with disabilities you can't do anything here in the United States we're we're a little bit more advanced although it's still out there occasionally so we're trying to change the perception through sport so if if I can hit a three point three point shot in a wheelchair and you can't and you're standing then it's like oh wait a second maybe I'm maybe I'm you know. Maybe. Judging the book by the cover instead mm. of instead of really looking into this, and and through that we we uh, we have a lot of fun. With it. it the ice breaking portion is great, but it 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 really is important. Even here in Tucson, Arizona, we still have unfortunately stereotypes. Of course, and they're so, everywhere. Yeah, so you know, make a nachos. You can do that from a wheelchair. Believe well, me, you know, and that's what I like about it. Like you're saying, it's the visibility for the public to see. People everywhere doing everything is so mm-hmm. important. And mm-hmm. I was thinking about your comment about employable and the numbers, you know, your statistics. Yeah. And I would think that people who have a disability who have been able to uh, be successful in something or in more than just something, but in a sport, but then also in education, they, and I think to be competitive in a sport and have some wins under your belt must really be a confidence builder. Mm. And then, mm. you know, even working at the concession stand and interacting sure. with the public and having a lot of positive feedback and a very good experience would help them in a career. I would think they would naturally be the people who would be out there and ready to tackle things, if you would. Yeah, I think the accountability is an issue, too. Like, because if you grow up in a family, my family never did this. They didn't care about me that much. But, but, but. <laughs> oh, they did, too. Yeah. I was hey, say, well, they cared about me, but they were like, what? In a different way. You, you want milk? Go get it yourself. You know, oh, okay. so that, that was the kind of thing. But, you know, in, in some worlds where we're, you know, oh, I need to take care of that person. I need to take care of them. And they don't learn how to take care of themselves. Well, when they come to the U of A, Adaptive Athletics, or if they come to SAS, Adaptive Athletics, we're not taking care of They got to stand 
or on their own wheels. Yeah, they got to get their own milk. That's right. They make their own breakfast. They're going to make their own beds. And and, and it, it shows a little bit of accountability. So concession stands, mm-hmm. hey, you got to be there an on hour time. before or yeah. an hour, you know, got to stay an hour late. You know, it's and yes, not... you have to clean the grill. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, yeah, like, sure. yeah of course you can. Yeah. Just like but everybody else, you can do it. Eh? Exactly. it well, you can. And that's it just goes through every, you know, if you have children, right, when oh, you, know, sure. you have to teach your kids. And so we definitely um, impart a lot of life skills through these things and who 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 wants to be rehabilitated you know i hear oh we're going to put you through a rehabilitation program and you're going to learn how to redo things no you know you you want to have fun you want to you want to enjoy your life and you don't want to be taught and told that this is how you're going to do it you want to experience it yourself i think that's the way i i approach life so our program also tries to really encourage people to to lead if that's the way they want to go. Um, our board of directors, which is nine people, is 90% people who identify with a disability. Uh, 60% women go. We're minority-led, yeah, cool. women-led. And, you know, that's really important for, for me and for us to to lead and, and, you know, be speaking for the community that we're serving. And it's been... Um, it's been a lot of fun. The concession stands, we, we do miss that. But we're looking for other opportunities. If there are people listening who, who you know, might have an idea, uh, might have a, a, a concept, a model, uh, we'd love to volunteer at your event once events come back. Uh, and, you know, maybe we can work out a little deal where we can, everyone can win. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. That sounds like a fun thing. Uh, another important thing that, that we do, we, we have not done this year, but things that we've done at university, and I know the MIAS group d- does it too, is we'll go out to schools and to organizations and talk about anti-bullying and and you know that mm-hmm. kind of that kind of stuff and and disability awareness absolutely sure. we our jaws program our junior program uh, we offer for any any school we'll come out and sort of do a adaptive pe takeover where we bring out our 20 wheelchair sports chairs and everybody plays and everybody learns and then our athletes Talk about, hey, what's it like to, to be using a wheelchair to, or to be a person with a prosthetic leg or to be blind? And we, you know, just talk openly with kids about about that, which is <clears throat> which is great because it allows the, the person uh, who's given the presentation to gain confidence. Like you said, it's presentation skills, it's employability. And it's also creating a, an empathy, if you will, and an attitude change in our community. Uh, because those kids go home and say, hey, mommy, I played wheelchair basketball today. What? You don't use a wheelchair? Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's great. I played wheelchair basketball. It was hard, but I loved it. Sure. So, you know, they, the kids realize, oh, this is just normal. Everyone can play basketball, right? And what if we can't change... <laughs> Our adults have a harder time changing our minds, I think, and our attitudes than children. I totally agree with you. I think that's very true. And I was wondering about, you know, how kids find their way in the community to the university program. So I wondered if if there were schools, high schools, that have those kinds of programs or if it's just kind of non-existent or (laughs) cities don't have recreation programs. Yeah, where where I grew up in California, adaptive PE is a requirement. And uh, here I think it's only a requirement if it's state uh, I think like Arizona School for the Deaf and Blind have mm-hmm. adaptive PE, sure. but that's it. Like and so, it's not a requirement. This is not, this yeah. is we're we're hitting a sore spot here, right? Oh, well, that's be- good because, to know. People yeah. are listening, so mm-hmm. yeah. Because if they had adaptive PE teachers uh, all throughout, we could just go directly to them and say, "Hey, make sure you tell us." But they're in. Sometimes they're fully included. Sometimes they're omitted from their physical education. And um, obviously, we, you know, I'm a former PE teacher, so we could get into this if we wanted to. <laughs> we won't. But 
So really, you want to know how kids find out about our programs? Yeah. Mia Hansen and Pete Hughes stop <laughs> them on the street. We do. We do illegal turns <laughs> in streets, and we pull over. And uh, I got one young kid. I saw him walking on crutches outside a yogurt shop, and I nearly killed about seven people doing a <laughs> U-turn, right? And then we had um, another one of our athletes. We have a superstar growing up here in Tucson. I'm positive she'll be a Paralympian. Mm-hmm. She, she's in Mia's juniors program. Um, that One of the kids said, hey, you should try wheelchair tennis. And next thing I know, I get a knock on my door and can you fit her for a chair? Yeah, all right, let's fit her for a chair. Hey, can she play this? Yeah, she can play this, yeah, and now she's good. And now she's talking trash to all the Paralympians. Uh, <laughs> she has a following and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So it's it kind of exciting. But right now, we need your help. Like So if you're listening to us right now and you have a kid that has any type of uh, physical disability at all, please make sure that they contact either myself or Mia and and uh, you're either one. Sometimes I feel like I should carry your cards around. <laughs> we could, we could <laughs> carry each other's cards. Well, that's it. It's that's word it. of it's mouth. And we do, uh, every time in at a grocery store, we shamelessly uh, just say, hey, have you ever played wheelchair basketball? Who are you, weird lady? Yeah, yeah. yeah um, don't talk to strangers. What yeah, is mm-hmm. that? <laughs> so, some communities are the opposite, have a lot of youth sports, but they struggle to get adults involved. And somehow, you know, we, we have a lot of adults involved, but we still struggle. Our JAWS program... Uh, when we have kids come out, we may have six to eight children, which is fine, but we want 20 to 30 children. And we're the only after-school wheelchair sports program in Southern Arizona, period, our wow. program. So there is no other place to go. You can't go to a middle school or high school and find wheelchair basketball. So do you have a location then, Mia? We don't because okay. we don't have enough money. Because you're moving around. To own, to own a building like Pete does. Yet. <clears throat> right. Well, well, I don't U of know. A. Okay. <laughs> the U of Pete's A has a owns what, a building. Right. Sure. We don't, but we do partner with the city of Tucson. So a shout out to uh, the city of Tucson's therapeutic recreation department has been offering us uh, a, a gym over at the Donna Liggins Recreation Center for many years. And that's wonderful because the city does also does not offer their own wheelchair adaptive sports program. They have a, a very few offerings. They have a good adaptive swimming program, but they don't have what we offer. So they partner with us, and we are the experts who come in and lead the program as long as it's free and open to everybody, which it is. Sure. That if we start, you know, if we start charging a lot of money for people to come in, then they would say, "Hey, go rent your own gym." But we keep it free, and we let everybody, you know, participate who wants to. Now, when we have our teams that travel, they may have a participation fee, which they can earn by doing concessions. There you go. Right. But um, otherwise, we really love that partnership. And we've also been grateful to get some support from Pima County. A couple years ago, I got an outside agency grant to provide junior, you know, uh, wheelchair sports, especially the equipment. Back to that. Some cities like Eugene, Oregon, have a recreation program that owns all this equipment, which is fabulous. Our city does not own it, which maybe is okay because we're here to fill in and we keep track of it and we make sure that we fit it to people. So we're really partnering with with the city, with Pima County, um, and with the U of A, of course. So it's a really nice, uh, you know, pipeline that we have. We get the kids, they go to the U of A, they get their scholarship, they come back, they work for me for a while, and they can live here, and everybody's happy. It's so. terrific. I think that's really the. Um what makes impact so successful and what we do is that we partner with everyone in the community and it really is amazing what you can do when you work with somebody else and you reach out to other people 
<clears throat> Tucson's a great place for partnerships, but we're also mm-hmm. a little bit in our silos here. Somehow we have this uh, chip on our shoulder. We like, oh, I'm doing something really great, and I want to, you know, keep it from everybody else. But <clears throat> the the whole par- idea of partnership. Back to that, we also partner with the VA, the, the Veterans Administration, and. Um, we've been lucky to get a, a Veterans Administration Adaptive Sports Grant for the past couple of years to specifically uh, help serve veterans with disabilities. So we have veterans on our teams. Uh, we have coaches who are veterans, and we can offer them support for travel and for equipment. And then, of course, youth, especially underserved youth, uh, youth of color. We have uh, we have grants that we've gotten that specifically serve those. So I find these little pots of money wherever I can grab them. Sure. And then I, you know, like you do, I'm that sure. Is the trick to grant writing, you know, to, it is. to be really specific and find that funder who has a passion. And it you would is. think there would be people, even people who were who have a disability who you, would you, you know you never know till you ask right the right. number one reason people give Absolutely. is because they're asked so we're asking anyone who's listening yeah, <laughs> they can reach me yeah. uh, can we give our information out you can and actually oh. it's going to be on the podcast oh, website good. permanently so no one has to write it down or worry oh, about it good. but you're welcome to do that well we have like. a website which is s-o-a-z adaptive org. And I'm Mia Hansen, and my name and number is all over that website. And we also do a lot of social media, uh, primarily Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram. And, uh, you know, we, we're just open to anybody reaching out to us and uh, finding us and, and interacting with us in whatever way they want to. We take cash donations. Did I mention that? Yeah, we're happy to accept cash. And we take things. Equipment, equipment, equipment as well. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, it's amazing. People are you know, retiring their their hand cycle, and they didn't know that we have this great program. We have 25 hand cycles. We're the only place that you could go and try a hand cycle in that I know of in Southern Arizona, right? And Pete's program has has hand cyclists who are competing, and he's donated some of their old hand cycles to us so that we can you know loan them out to future athletes to come to U of A. So it's really a great a great system, but we'll we'll take them all. So I have a, a really old bike, and just this last week I was biking up by uh, the Christina Taylor Green Park, which where I normally bike, and I see another person on a hand cycle, and I don't recognize her. And she's in the curb cutout, like where I have to go. And so I pulled up right behind her and said, move that hand cycle, lady. <laughs> and it turned out to be Faith, who's one of, one of yours. Oh, and, right. and she was borrowing your bike. She goes, yeah, I only have a month. And I'm like, I think if you ask me, she'll, she'll give it to you for longer <laughs> than a month. extend that. But I won't say anything. So it was kind of funny. So we, I, ran, I ran into one of yours. <laughs> and the U of A also, of course, like Pete said, um, has to raise funds for their programming yeah right? yeah we sell our gym click auto tickets and oh, we, sure. we do the gym click run and roll we're looking for sponsors for the run and roll and uh and of course we just had a extraordinarily successful uh 2021 teed up shootout it held at the omni last month on the 19th we raised hundred and fifty nine thousand dollars for a golf fundraiser that's wonderful yeah congratulations yeah it's been it's been great but that's a a unique opportunity to actually golf with another adaptive golfer and you actually get more of the culture that way of like being you know playing 18 holes with somebody somebody with a disability Mm -hmm. and losing most of them are losing (laughs) (laughs) so that's so fun yeah so yeah we do great things it's it's Mm -hmm. a lot of fun well, you know, I, I think about all these athletes that are going to head off to the Paralympics here, like you say, in less than 100 days. 
And I think at the university, with this program being around so long, you must have some stars who've come through the university. Yeah. And maybe some names that people will recognize. And- well, I, I think our most famous, we have a couple famous ones. Dr. Sherry Blowett, who just got into our Adaptive Hall of Fame. She'll be out here um, receiving her as soon as COVID calms down. Um, but Dr. Sherry Blowett was a multi-medal um, winner at the Paralympics, uh, several Paralympics. And uh, she left the U of A, went to Stanford, got her medical degree at Stanford. And then she went, was a, one of the doctors without bo- bo- uh, bo- borders, borders. borders in mm-hmm. Ghana. And then now I think she's the, uh, she works for Harvard Medical School. So, so yeah, she's done pretty well. Elena Nichols. What a course. slacker. Yeah, I was yeah, say. Right? <laughs> Elena Nichols, of course, is uh, one, uh, she's one of the only individuals in the world that's won gold medal in both winter and summer Paralympics. Um, cool. So, yeah, so she was a downhill skier. In the summertime in Tucson, had to play I was basketball. Just we, say. we don't support downhill skiing, surprisingly enough, in Tucson. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, so um, and then we we have you know several others that that I'm sure I'm forgetting. Uh, right now we have um, seven active members of our program getting ready to go to the 2021 Paralympics, and we have nine, I think nine alum that are going to represent either USA, mm-hmm. Australia, or. Um, Canada nice. in this Paralympics. So we're really excited. And what sport will they be doing? Well, our tennis coach is is going to his third Paralympics in his tennis program mm-hmm. uh, a, a, for the tennis team. He's a, a quad mm-hmm. in quad division. And then uh, we have three wheelchair rugby guys that are, that are qualified. Our, our new head coach, Josie, for our women's basketball team and our assistant coach, Courtney Ryan, are both going for the women's wheelchair basketball team. Right. And our track guys will, uh, we have one track at uh discus thrower Sherrod and then so I did forget about field but that's he's only he's a one-off <laughs> sure. and then um the U.S. time trials are in Minnesota at the end of June so we expect at least two more athletes to to uh, qualify for the Paralympics we'll see that's you know. fun now I don't know that I've seen the Paralympics on television so you will. are they I was going to say how does the public find them this year or yeah this coming? year and NBC has got um more coverage than they will ever have before and we'll have to we'll have to share our information with you because since uh you are not allowed to view the paralympics in person this year uh japan has already decided that it's only japanese citizens that get to go so no family members or anything like that Mm -hmm. so what we're going to do is we're going to take over some sports bars here Mm -hmm. so if you're an owner of a sports bar please contact me because we will bring 50 people into your thing to watch the paralympics And uh, we'll bring some of our former Paralympians to uh, talk about uh, and show off their gold medals and their yeah. silver medals as well. Uh, so, yeah, contact us. And uh, and now Mia has got some Paralympic, Paralympians. Oh, well, our to- president of our board of directors, yeah. Jen Poist, is a two-time gold medalist uh, at the Paralympics in wheelchair basketball. And, yeah, we, you know, we're, of course, aspiring. We, we want our athletes to aspire to be, to be the best. Sure. But we're also fine with people watching the Paralympics. Olympics and not making it there. Um, you know, it's not always about being the best. Um, we do have a young gal, Pete mentioned Adrena, who is uh, 12 and is going to be there, I'm sure, wow. in either the next Paralympics or I, I guess you can't get into this one. And, you know, a couple of our, our youngsters um, just learning about it. We have a young boy named Ish. Uh, Ishmael, who's just recently joined us, and he didn't, didn't even know that there was such a thing as wheelchair sports and that he could be an athlete and he could go to the Paralympics. So it's really exciting, and we're just thrilled to, to have 
some great support and opportunities for people. But it doesn't happen without a lot of effort. You know this about all, all of our wonderful nonprofits in Tucson. It takes an incredible amount of energy and effort. And, uh, you know, we're, we're looking for, for people to help send us more energy. Uh, money's good, but energy and enthusiasm and support is, is really what we'd love to, to invite your listeners to offer us. We, we have a young man from Sholo, Arizona, coming down to look at our program uh, oh, this yes. weekend. Uh, just because he heard about us on mm-hmm. on some kind of news, some kind <laughs> of social, nice. social, Radio yeah, social media. Yeah, yeah well, right? that's terrific. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to get together and hear so much of what you're doing and learn some new things. Like I said, I didn't realize there were all those sports available, and it'll be fun now to watch the Paralympics. I think I'm definitely going to be tuned in. Come to the sports bar with us. So, oh, there, that's what I should do. That's to be true. announced. Yeah, that's right. So we'll have to connect. I don't know. We'll have to see if we can put them up on the Radio X page for the for for this show for episode seven to see if we can do that and we we i should mention that you know sports are happening right now we are back we're we're playing wheelchair basketball again which is one of our biggest sports our our group has four wheelchair basketball teams including two uh adult mixed you know co-ed and we have the arizona storm women who are potentially going to be champions of the women's division this year there's this is separate from the university level we have a community women's division, and several of them are are wheelchair athletes from Paralympian from past Paralympics. Um, all, all coached by me, by the way. That's oh, right. That's no right. wonder they're so they're good, so right, Pete? But our Tucson Lobos, the the thing that started this all. Remember that group that was about to falter that I jumped in and said, "Let's go, guys. We're going to go to Nogales, Sonora, this weekend, and we're going to play with the Sonoran League." Teams from Hermosillo, from Nogales, from uh, Ciudad Obregón, from Rocky Point are going to converge in Nogales. And, um, you know, so sports are back. We're being safe, of course. We're, we're getting vaccinated. We're masking up. But, you know, we're all anxious to come back to the time when we can all be together and recreate together. So we're excited about that this weekend. So go Lobos. There you go. Well, thank you both for being here today. We really appreciate your time and everything you're doing for the community. You really are superheroes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.